surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I hope that y'all are having a a good week as best as you can. It seems like there's a lot of things going on in the world. And before we get into our topic today with our lovely guest, I do just want to do a little mini check-in with y'all and share a little bit of what's been going on in my world. And also just a reminder to check in with yourself. Uh, as many of you know, there are a lot of wildfires happening on the West Coast. And being that I'm located in Seattle, Washington, um, there has been a massive amounts of smoke and uh, I've just been kind of huddled down here in my apartment um, and just wanted to say that if you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling like, my goodness, what else is going to go on this year that you're so not alone. Um, you know, for a lot of folks, the one thing we had with COVID was that we could experience nature and that we could social distance and feel like we could gain perspective out in nature and feel like, okay, everything is going to be all right. Like, you know, there's still <laughs> beauty and hope and, and life in the world. And now with the wildfires, there's might be an, 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 an increase in eco-anxiety. And there definitely has been for me. And, you know, climate change is a very real thing. That's not something I'm going to debate here. It's a scientific fact. And that humans have been exponentially increasing the rate at which that's occurring. And, you know, I definitely feel like I try as hard as I can to have a positive contribution to our climate and to reduce my ecological footprint as much as I can. And there's still so much to learn with that, right? And I think it definitely feels um, kind of daunting seeing all of this happen and so much just feeling out of our control these days, which we already kind of know that, right? That they're, the only thing we can really control is, is ourselves and how we react to things. But it can be really traumatizing going through these last six, seven months with all these big changes in the world happening and not feeling like you have any control of it and that you can't really escape it. And that a lot of it is ongoing and doesn't really seem to have an end in sight. Um, so it is just really tough, strange times, one where we're finding ourselves having to adapt and really having to kind of dig into our resiliency, right? And um, remind ourselves of that, that we are adaptable, that we are resilient, that, you know, this is a a change that's new for some of us, that this is, um, you know, a time of transition and just to flow through it as best as we can. Um, so I hope that y'all just kind of check in with yourselves and see where you're at and check in with your levels of exhaustion, of overconsumption, of um, contribution, right? To the safety of others, to the safety of our environment, to the care of others and care of our environment. Um, just things to maybe be, be mindful of here. And I do hope that, you know, the interview with today's guest does kind of help provide 
a bit of like a coping mechanism for a lot of this, um, of, of healing, of, of trauma, and not just, you know, part of it is for sexual trauma, but also just for trauma in general. Um, so I guess we'll share a little bit uh, about our guest today and we can kind of transition into what this episode's going to be after a little mini check-in here. Um, so this person that is our guest today uh, is Rashida Conway Miller, and she's an artist, an educator. She founded the Messy Movement Lab, which y'all can check out in the episode notes. She's the co-host of the podcast Queer and Married. Um, she's co-owner of a lingerie boutique, The Temptress Boudoir, and she's the executive producer and co-star of the film series Sex as a God Thing. Uh, Rashida was born and raised in Chicago, and she fell in love with dance at a very young age. She studied ballet, jazz. As career teaching, speaking, and uplifting feminine spectrum people, and healing through the storytelling of movement in live classes across the U.S. and expanding into a global audience through online education. Um, over the last decade, uh, she has inspired people worldwide to talk about their relationship to self-love, to sensuality, and healing trauma through dance and movement as an integral part of their spiritual recovery and thriving. She's a badass. She is a real, real badass. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. She, I've been following her for, for quite a while now. And I just love, love having her face pop up and her movement pop up and um, just has like such great vibes. So uh, with all of this said, uh, I'll share now our lovely interview. I could have gone on and on with her. Um, we do do a little mini, I don't even know what you call it, but she gave us a little teaser, okay, of what a class would be like with her and how we can kind of for, take a first step into doing that kind of sensual movement. Um, and she's just so fantastic, y'all. I just, she was amazing. So please share the podcast with your friends. Um, please share it online. Uh, please go follow Rashida and all of her work and um, definitely check out the episode notes um, to see some of the resources and uh, links to her work. So with all of that said, all the things, feeling all the things, uh, let's talk about it. All right. So welcome, Rashi, to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yes. I love your whole vibe over here with your plants in the background. <laughs> you got like the yellow shirt and a bold lip. And I'm like, it's... It's a vibe. You know, I'm, try- I'm just trying to show up a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yes. It's, um, usually I do, and I'd be right there with you with all my Girl, plants in the great. background. What are you talking about? Please. I had like a mild food poisoning like two nights oh ago, and I'm like still just feeling like I just want to be in my bedroom in PJs. Yes. Not paying I, attention I, to the curls. I mean... I can't even believe you're here. Like, I'd be still sleeping. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm real close to the bed, so that helps. But, um, <laughs> but no, I'm so happy to be here and just like really excited to learn a little bit more about 
all the things that you're doing. I've followed you on Instagram for a while now. And very selfishly, I was like, I want her on the podcast because like, I want to like learn (laughs) how she's like doing this like sensual dance and healing through that. And I'm like, I know it's podcast, so it's audio, but I'm like, maybe one of these days I'll uh, be able to actually like do a a workshop or class with you or something. Just go ahead and call that TV show in. Just call it in. (laughs) Yes, right? Exactly. All right, we're going to take a mini little break here. I'm going to share something a little off topic to what we've been talking about, but it's a new sponsor of the podcast that I want to share with y'all called Rory. So you already know the importance of taking care of your skin, and I'm sure you're doing all the things that you can to make sure that you're happy with your skin, whether you're worried about dullness, redness, fine lines, or acne. Trying to find the right treatment can be really frustrating. Like there's so many possible solutions. Uh, But now there's a simpler, smarter solution to skincare. Meet Rory. It's a digital health clinic for women and it's the sister brand of Roman. And like Roman, they make it simple to connect with a healthcare professional online and see if personalized prescription skincare treatment is right for you, all from the comfort of your home. So you can go to your phone or computer and complete a free online consultation and you'll hear back from a US licensed healthcare professional within 24 hours. So soon. And if appropriate, they'll prescribe a personalized skincare treatment plan that works just for you and for your skin. So with Rory, you don't even have to go to the pharmacy. Your custom skincare is delivered right to you with free two-day shipping. Free two-day shipping. (laughs) What a deal. You can also follow up with a healthcare professional anytime if you need to make a change to your treatment or if you have any questions. They're with you every step of the way on your skincare journey, and they're very responsive, which I find super helpful. So with Worry, there are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time. Highly recommend you check them out. You can go to hellorory.com slash talk to try out the nightly defense for just $5. It's free to chat with a doctor and your first order is just $5. That's hellorory.com slash talk. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. With all that said, we can now get right back to the show. So I would love to hear just a little bit about how you got started in this space um, Mm. and then you have like a very big project that you just announced with the yes. fund. So would love for you to just kind of introduce us a little bit to that. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again for having me. Um, I'm very excited to, you know, to talk with you. I've been looking forward to this. And um, so, I, you know, I've been doing this work for a decade um, it'll be a decade in one, uh, ah. next year. So that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I started this work, I've been dancing all my life. And then mm-hmm. when I got to college, I, um, you know, was going through like a really ridiculous breakup and it was like challenging mm-hmm. all the things about like my self-worth and yeah. my identity and, you know, all these things. And I was like, oh, I need to, I need to do something with my life. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? So I'm not just like sitting around here all summer, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like lamenting and, you know, questioning whether I should text back and all this jazz. And yep. I was like, let's, let's go to Brazil. Oh, okay. I <laughs> so like where was, this is going. That was the, that was the college flex, I guess. I was like, yeah, I, you know, went to the study abroad office, you know, like the day after that breakup. And I was like, all right, we're, we're going to Brazil. 
Wow. And it wasn't, um, I w- this would actually be my second opportunity to do a study abroad in Brazil. This time I was going as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time that I actually went was with my mother um, and our home church. Mm-hmm. And I was probably about maybe 11 or 12, something like that. Um, but we went for about two weeks and we went to like Rio de Janeiro and then we did Salvador de Bahia. And it was essentially like a cultural learning you know, experience. We're not a church. I didn't grow up in a church that did mission trips. And so mm-hmm. I just want to say that because whenever yeah. people hear like, oh, you went to <laughs> this foreign country with your church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. This is not a mission trip. The, the, no, this is, this was not a mission trip. We were not there to spread the love of Jesus. Yeah. Um, we were just there to really, you know, get, re- get reconnected back to our blackness mm-hmm. and understanding um, kind of demystifying the the history of like around the transatlantic slave trade and how that yeah. fed into the erasure of black culture, especially you know during um, during slavery mm-hmm. and and kind of getting back to a place where we understood specifically ATR African traditional religions as a, mm. uh, not as something that was demonic, yep. um, but yep. something that was you know naturally a part of our heritage, a part of mm-hmm. you know being unab- unapologetically black and so. So, um, you know, that I was, I was 12 <laughs> yeah. <having> this experience. <laughs> so yeah. just for context, so people know, like, I just, I grew up in a, you know, I, I say militant in the best possible way, but I grew mm-hmm. up in a very, in a, with very militant, you know, ideologies around mm-hmm. me and, and, and very centered in, you know, loving your black self and, and yeah. not apologizing for that. And so, um, mm-hmm. had that experience. And then, you know, here I am in college. I'm like, all right, what do I want to do? Decide I'm going to go back for the study abroad. And now I'm going back with adult eyes. I'm not there with yeah. like supervision, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was truly one of the most life-changing experiences that I've ever had, like in my heart, like Bahia mm-hmm. is like my other home. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully one day I just keep calling <laughs> it in that that'll actually be home one day for us. Yeah. Um, but I got there and I was just like smacked with this experience around my body specifically first, mm-hmm. um, seeing other women walking down the beach that look like me. And yeah. their bodies were stacked and mm-hmm. everybody was just kind of moving about life very normally. Like it, was yeah. a, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, the state figure for Bahia is a Bayana and she has on um, a huge white skirt and the skirt, you know, shows the accentuation mm-hmm. of her hips and her hips are luscious and round and she looks like me. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, wow, like here I am in this space, you know, having grown up in the dance community, like I've been subjected to fat phobia mm-hmm. all my life. Yeah. Um, always being very muscular. And then as I, you know, when it's a puberty and started developing and all of these things, like my body was just you know, it was just mm-hmm. stacked. I was just always voluptuous, you know, and and, and yeah. that was that always preceded me before people could really um before people, you know, stopped, you know, being jerks and, and mm-hmm. just being able to witness the talent that I had. And so, you know, it's always kind of like this like push and pull of like um feeling like being in this space of like validating that I was worth being in this space, even though people, you know, are, in many cases didn't want me there. Um, Mm -hmm. or tried to push me out because I didn't fit the mold. And so to be in this space in Brazil, 
Okay, I'm seeing women walking down the beach in Brazilian bikinis, and you don't know what that is. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make it. It's it's, it's it's literally nothing, and you know, and it just being accepted and mm-hmm. them feeling connected to their bodies is it wasn't this like you know show or performance for other people. You know, maybe it was a light flex because I'm here for a light flex yeah. all the time. You know <laughs> what I mean? But you know, it wasn't centered in this like oh, like I'm you know, it wasn't like a a, a statement. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. There wasn't and a so, focus on the fact that like, wow, your body is this way and you're, you're so still showing confident. up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You're so confident. How are you so confident in mm-hmm. that body? And it's just like, yeah. you know, and, and of course, like women in Brazil have varying body types as they do all around the world. But the mm-hmm. difference from the U.S. gaze and what I experienced in Brazil was, you know, it wasn't there wasn't a um it didn't seem to be like this uh, worthiness or, or or validation conversation happening around bodies that were larger. Yeah. And so in that space, I had the opportunity to like show up in my body in a way that I really never had the opportunity to show up for in, in, in that way before, you know, like mm-hmm. I could dominate and dance and I could, you know, do my thing in, in that space. But there was always these restrictions around the costuming, around what parts I got, around, you know, yeah. whether or not I could, I was seen as um, right enough for a lead or anything like that. And so there was always that obstacle. And so, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm here. Uh, if my mother were here, I probably wouldn't be wearing this bikini, but <laughs> she's not. So, yep, and you're uh, an adult, <laughs> and, and I'm an adult. <laughs> At least here I am. Yep, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make this work. And I got myself a little yellow bikini, and was walking down the beach with a couple people from our program. And you know the the I guess the the overflow of that. I was just like feeling so good in my body, and just like feeling really connected and just really juicy. And then all of a sudden, like this man just like stopped his whole like soccer game and just like bowed at my feet. It was very, it was very interesting and very, it caught me off guard, but I was just he like. bowed at your feet. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is how they do it in Brazil? Oh, okay. Well, I could, yeah. I could get used to this. Um, but you know, it was, it was such a, it wasn't disrespectful. He wasn't harassing me or anything yeah. like that. He was just like, you know, just saying praises of like, you know, and caught, and, and I, I was always mistaken as uh, someone from Bahia mm-hmm. in that space. And so that was a really interesting dynamic to see that, you know, that I like kind of just like meshed right in. There yeah. wasn't any separation. It was so beautiful. And I think the other aspect of that, you know, I was there for three months um, or a little on just a little under three months. And um, in our program, we had an opportunity to do, um, to witness um, a service within AT- the ATR space. And um, just for, I, I don't, I don't want to go into detail about the, the service just because one, I don't, I'm not a, like a practice, I'm not a lead leader mm-hmm. in that space. And so I think that those conversations definitely should be held by the people who help hold like rank and mm-hmm. who are trained and initiated and all of that jazz to be yeah. able to talk through like the varying, cause there's so much, there's like, you know, an entire cosmology, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I just think that there's like, you know, that's a, it's a deeper conversation. So I'll just say that because I'm not going to go far into the details, but got a chance to witness this ceremony. And one of the things that I noticed was that how connected the priests were to their bodies when they moved. 
And as someone who grew up in the church and grew up praise dancing and also came from an era in praise dance that was very visceral and trained and, you know, like we just, we just, we went hard, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like in the way in which we prepared to minister Um, and then seeing kind of how that shifted in the late 90s, early 2000s to where there were all these rules and regulations about what you could wear, how you had to cover yourself up. Now, you couldn't just wear a leotard and tights and a skirt. You now had to wear pantaloons, socks, um, you know, a binder underneath your leotard, something on top of that to cover your breast and then, you know, gloves because someone in the congregation is going to be tempted by your fingers. You know, like these very extreme... And I, like. <laughs> I can't, Listeners can't I, I, hear this, but that was an eye roll and a head down. <laughs> let me tell you something, okay? Like, it is, I mean, it, it's astonishing to think that that's really where people's heads are yeah. at because, it, you know, it's not like it's changed, but, yeah. well, you and know, it's like censoring are, and, and victim blaming and of course, of course. patriarchy of this yes. is, you know, this is you're the problem, not how people are reacting Not to how you. people are reacting and not, get, not placing the onus of responsibility on the person who's yeah. creating the harm. All right, time for a short break here because I got a reminder for y'all to prioritize your mental health. So whenever you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you are checking in with yourself, right? Before you even start listening, check in with yourself. How are you feeling? Where are you at in your life right now? And what is your relationship like with your own personal self-care, self-nourishment? Mental health is so important, as y'all know. And I want to offer a lovely little 10% off for your first month of BetterHelp counseling when you go to betterhelp.com slash talk about it. So for those of you that don't know, BetterHelp is an online counseling resource. This is not self-help. This is real <laughs> licensed professional counselors um, where you know anything you share is confidential. It's professional, convenient. It's very affordable. And they also offer financial assistance. So um, highly recommend that you click that little box, but you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Um, You can send your message. You can send messages to your counselor at any time and you'll get timely, thoughtful responses. You can connect in a safe, private, online environment that's convenient and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. So highly recommend them. And even if you're not in a place of wanting extra support or help in your life right now, if you are a professional So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So counselors, where are you at? (laughs) I encourage you to sign up on here. So whether you are a professional or um, even if you are a professional still and not just looking for work, but are looking for help yourself as well, you can go to betterhelp.com slash talk about it and you will get 10% off your first month. You can join over a million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash talk about it. Don't forget to take care of yourself. All right, that concludes this check-in and we can get back to the show. 
And so then you're in a group of most praise dance ministries are women and girls. Mm -hmm. And so then you're reinforcing this message that your body's inappropriate. Your body's wrong. Your body causes harm. Your body brings shame to you. Your body is like this lustful thing that nobody can keep their hands off of. So you are responsible for making sure that they don't want to even touch you or even look at you or even notice you. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't exist, actually. Just don't exist. Be (laughs) quiet. And just, you know, just stay there. Be as small as you can. Be as small as you possibly can. Don't Mm -hmm. take up any space. Let us talk and and you'll be fine. And that was, you know, and you think about it. And and, I mean, I was in the dance ministry for 20 years. You know what I mean? So if I'm, you know, like this messaging, it being repeated over and over and over and like that's a conditioning right like it's a it's a hey like this is the rule and if you stray from it here's the possibility of what can happen to you um you're in danger there and it's your fault if you're in danger and so Mm -hmm. you know I got to the point where I was you know so having that experience in Brazil where I'm witnessing this like very embodied very rich very like in the hips it like connectedness Mm -hmm. you know in this space and it was a space of worship I just, I was like, oh, we're doing something totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like we, we've got to change this. And I, I actually emailed my, my pastor at the time and, you know, who's amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've come to understand that <laughs> we're Perfect. actually doing this quite wrong and we need to make a few changes. And I was, you know, I was like a lead choreographer and stuff like that. Yeah. So I had some, there was a little bit of space for me to make some mm-hmm. suggestions, but I was also still young. So I know people were very annoyed, you know, yeah. with my level of like analysis and like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, she went to Brazil for a little bit of time and now like, you <laughs> now know. she thinks she's all that. She now, knows it now all. she thinks mm-hmm. she all that. <laughs> she thinks mm-hmm. she knows everything. But he was very like embracing of me, like having these questions and like trying to figure out like what, what was the thing that was emerging for me? And I think that a, a big, big theme was that through the harm that Black bodies have experienced specifically due to s- experiences of s- systemic oppression, mm-hmm. we've lost our visceral connection to God, to the divine, to spirit, whatever that word is. Mm-hmm. And that connection happens for us through the body. Like, you know, Black culture for me is dance, is laughter, is, you know, good hearty food, it's mm-hmm. music, it's, you know, there's just, it's vibrant, there's color, you know, yes, yeah. there's pain and, you know, there's trauma that we collectively experience, but there's so much more than that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the ways in which we've experienced harm um, around our bodies and around what it means to show up and be seen and to be present um, has, you know, we've, we've kind of like adopted this, this message that like, okay, our joy, our pleasure, the, the things that bring us to life are secondary to, you know what I mean? Just trying mm-hmm. to get through the fight. And, you know, I think my work over the last 10 years has definitely evolved and the, you know, our point of entry and our message has grown but it's essentially comes back to just a very basic saying that pleasure is our fuel, not a reward. And the ways in which we access that pleasure, you know, can look different for everyone. And pleasure is not sex centric. It yeah. can definitely encompass, you know, mm-hmm. 
the way you cook, the music yeah. you listen to, the time you take off for yourself, you know, the way you spend time with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, doing flowers. I, I love doing like yeah. decays and, you know, playing with plants and, you know, doing stuff like that. Like that mm-hmm. can also be pleasure. Your hair, your makeup, your, yep. the way you dress, like all of these different things. And, but that is our fuel. It brings us to life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that when people have, um, overwhelmed when their nervous systems are overwhelmed with experiences of trauma, it's very, it's, it doesn't then become the default for us to go to joy. It doesn't then become the default for us to rest or to experience pleasure. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it just, it just doesn't, it, it it becomes, uh, it feels almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And our work with the messy movement lab and, um, the work that I do, you know, through movement is really about getting us back to a place where we understand that dropping into that space where we are experiencing pleasure allows for us to come back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, when you are in that space of collective trauma or of feeling the weight of that trauma and feeling the need for the work to heal that trauma that you're at that point in a state of just survival, um, that thinking that joy and pleasure, that those are rewards, that those are things that you get to after you've put the work in. Um, but I think that that does totally need to have a shift. And I love what you said about like pleasure being the fuel, um, because yeah, pleasure looks so many different ways and, the more that you are able to nurture and and heal yourself in that way, then I think the the easier and the better the work can be done in that way um, mm-hmm. as opposed to this kind of like out of survival and like you're completely exhausted and drained and not in touch with yourself or yes. your be- other beings. And then you're like, oh, let me do a face mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, but we actually need to talk about your boundaries, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think that's a big thing. Like we we talk about so much is, you know, not waiting. I love to give the analogy of being in like a car. I don't know why I'm stuck on this like Mazda, right? I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about cars. So you, you've got this Mazda and like, you know, it's new or mostly new and you're mm-hmm. driving in the car, but you know that if you're going to drive this car a hundred thousand miles, like you at least got to stop for gas a couple of times because yep. you know, right. And you might need to get an oil change. You might mm-hmm. need to get like the, the brakes. Something happens to the brakes. I don't know yeah. what happens to the brakes guys. <laughs> things, you know, things happen to the brakes. <laughs> things things happen do happen to the brake. You know, you got to get those worked out. Um, you might need to change out the windshield wiper, you know, so mm-hmm. you can actually see in the car. But when we think about a car, we're like, oh yes, this is necessary maintenance. Right. Mm-hmm. And now some of us are very, are very much so adventurous and we will drive 50 miles on just like a quarter tank of gas, you know? And so there we are on the highway with, you know, just fumes, fumes. And we see somebody on the side of the road and they're struggling. They need a ride. We're like, come on, like, Mm -hmm. come on, get in. I got you. They're like, where are you going? Well, I'm going a hundred miles further than where you are. And you're like, you know what? Absolutely. Let's keep going. There's still no gas in the car, but this is kind of how we operate, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're constantly in this space where we're picking up other things. We're taking on more work. We're doing more labor. um, We're exhausting ourselves. And not to say that you can't do a lot of things. I love to, you know, have a full schedule. Like I just, you know, just function in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But I know that if I don't stop to refuel, 
I'm that's it. Like I'm I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible for everybody. Not yeah. just for me, but for everybody mm-hmm. around me. And we have to start thinking about that. Like what does it mean to actually like pour back into ourselves so that we can be better for the people around us and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And not just continuously, you know, letting the gas tank get down to E or just below E or, you know, driving on fumes and then being like, oh, you know, I guess I'll stop in. You know, now the car is like sputtering and it doesn't want to turn on, but it's like, oh, maybe I should go get some gas now. And it's like kind of late for that. Like now the engine is messed up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it's like the delay of coming back to a sense of care, the delay of coming back to a resting place for yourself then creates a ripple effect of other, of other issues. Mm -hmm. And then we get into a space of being reactive about the way that we're caring for ourselves as opposed to um, intentional or um, having that forethought, you know? Mm -hmm. And, 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 and there's, I think there's like pieces, like a lot of shame in that. Like, yeah, we, you know, going until you can't go can also be a trauma response, right? Mm-hmm. Like in just navigating all of the things that are happening. But, you know, and once we recognize that that's the place that we're moving from, it's like, all right, how do we turn that off? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we allow ourselves the opportunity to say, okay, like yeah. this, this isn't working, but mm-hmm. I, I know I can do something else. I know I can, I know there's more available to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and part of what like I find very intriguing about the work that you do is that like, yes, everything you just said, so incredibly valid and so needed and is like a reminder I think everyone needs on like a regular basis, right? That like self-nourishment, self-love, yes. that is a practice that is necessary, yes. necessary for any work to be done and yes. that we're worthy of regardless yes. like of if we're using it to then be able to do work or not, like without doing any work afterwards, you are still valuable and worthy and deserving mm-hmm. of that pleasure of that self-love. Um, yes. So what I think is so interesting, like you're doing this in a space that is through the body and through movement, through dance. And I think there is so much, like there's already like a stigma and shame around just self-nourishment and a practice of self-care that like Mm -hmm. take that plus a lot of the shame that people already experience in their bodies and the discomfort of moving your body and like when I watch your videos I'm like oh my god how do I do how do I how do I do this (laughs) I'm like it looks so freeing and like so connected and um just like something to aspire to Mm. yeah thank you I appreciate that you know it's so funny because you know we could stop dropping dance right now and I know you'd be able to tap in and I think that Mm -hmm. that's the thing that I really want to communicate the most to people is like you know I'm coming into this as someone who has you know, been training in in dance all my life. Mm -hmm. And my expression of movement as a performer is very different from what we're doing in class. That's just, that's just the real, the real thing. Like Hmm. we're not focused on technique. We're not focused on you getting a certain, you know, eight count, right. We're not focused on Mm -hmm. like you nailing the move in a certain way. We're focused on you getting some language to be able to express what's on your mind and what's on your heart and, and what's happening in your body. And that 
you know, anyone, literally, people, you know, they get they get caught up in they get caught up in like, oh, well, I don't have any training. Oh, I'm not flexible. Like I have people say mm-hmm. this to me all the time. I'm not flexible enough to take class. And I mm-hmm. say, well, well, isn't that why you would go to take class? Like you go to <laughs> yoga, right? To like get flexible, to learn how to breathe and like get all connected, right? Yeah. So like this practice is exactly the same way. Like you don't have to come done. Like you don't have to come already in your perfect box. Like you can come messy and, and that's literally, you know, what messy emotionally, messy physically, mm. just like in life, like mm-hmm. you don't have to, sh- you don't have to already be well packaged in order to be able to get the most out of this space. And I think that's one of the things that I really love, you know, especially like, yeah. You know, our family has navigated some really hard hits over the last couple of years. And in moving about a lot, one of the things that, you know, I really tried to maintain for myself was like, I don't care how much space I have, I'm going to find a space to move. Because Mm -hmm. if my body is locked up, if my body is tense, if I don't Mm -hmm. have a way to like pour into it, I'm not going to be any good, right? Like just just because, like you said, like not even just to do more work, but I'm not going to be any good for myself. And so I'm talking about in hallways, in parking lots, in the bathroom, in the basement, in a closet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the bed, um, in a studio, if I get random access to it, like outside, mm-hmm. anywhere, I can find that moment, that little bit of space or that little bit of time, I'm going to drop into it. It's like being able to make the, being able to make our self-care practices accessible to the life that we're living today. Not the Instagram perfect version mm-hmm. of life that we have, you know, wrapped up on our vision boards or in Plantly for all of my creators, right? Like, <laughs> You know, I'm talking about like, all right, the baby is asleep. You know, my partner is gone off to the store. Mm-hmm. I got maybe 10 minutes before the baby starts crying. What can I do? Drop in right there. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't have I don't have a full living room to be able to, you know, pull out my heels or, you know, pull out my yoga mat and dance. But I, 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 I literally only find privacy in the bathroom. All right. Put a mm-hmm. do not disturb sign on the bathroom. I tell all my clients, put it on there. Make it, make it very plain. Don't come in here. Yeah. (laughs) This is is my moment. Yes. You can write that on there and I'll be very mad at you if you interrupt me, you know? Um, Yeah. Respect my boundary. I need my space. This is it. This is don't cross this line unless somebody is literally not breathing. Okay. Um, and and being able to put that on put that sign up there and then you know step behind that door turn on the shower turn mm-hmm. a steam shower on for yourself put on some music give yourself a Beyonce fog moment mm-hmm. I, you will come out a brand new person like yeah I I'm so serious it's just really about finding like the 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 small the five that five minute practice we talk about it's mm-hmm. not about always having an hour two hours three hours yeah. to do this decadent ritual with you know fifty two steps and three layers and six masks yeah. and all of that stuff it's it's about like all right like what's the fuel that I need right now like mm-hmm. all right I'm gonna take this five minutes and then maybe later I take another five minutes and mm-hmm. then tomorrow maybe I have an hour you know what I mean like how can you just give yourself those moments. And, and make it and make it accessible to where you are right now, as opposed to waiting for the perfect opportunity to be able to, yeah, you know, pour in. Yeah. And so, how do you like actually like walk people through 
that first step of even how do they move? Like, okay, you've gotten, mm-hmm. you got your sign all made up. You've, yep. you've told everybody your sign's up and you're in the bathroom. Like, how do you work with people to reach that comfort or that confidence or have the the skills or, or the tools to be like, okay, the fog's going, all this, I'm standing here now. And now what do I do? Yeah. Um, First step, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, we, got, we got two minutes. We got two minutes. Let's do it. Go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. I want you to take a really good, luscious, deep breath in. And exhale. And take another deep breath in. And exhale. I want you to think about your body as this really rich garden. And I want you to just imagine the fruit, the flowers, whatever it is that you want to place in that space. Just get a really, like a visual image of that garden filling in inside of you from head to toe, starting just seeing the green, starting to flood down the body. down the chest, into the stomach. See it expanding into your hips, down your thighs, and all the way down into the tips of your toes. Then I want you to imagine that there's a pot of honey hanging above your head. That honey is, it represents that sweetness, that aliveness, that joy that we're tapping into. I want you to imagine that jar tipping back and forth. And you feel the honey drip just on the top of your head, then on your arm, and then on the center of your chest on your thigh, the right side. And now I want you to feel that honey oozing down. The bucket has tipped itself all the way over. Breathe. See that honey flowing down the center of your garden. Down through your throat, through your chest, through your stomach, down the center of your body. Go ahead and connect your chin to your chest. And slowly take your neck in a full circle to the right. Breathing. Keep breathing. Give your body permission to be right here. There's nothing else that you have to do other than relax. That's the only assignment. 
breathe. And come back to center. Take another deep breath in. And exhale. We start right there. Okay, so where can people like Venmo <laughs> slash PayPal you? <laughs> like <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> I got, uh, let me see. What I don't know what my, uh, do I have a Venmo? Do I have Venmo? <laughs> I don't know, but you need something. <laughs> well, I, got, uh, I got, you know, I got cash up and all that stuff. Cash but, up. Know, yeah. Listen. Listen, uh, I think it's Rashida K. Miller. Okay. Or Rashida K. Or Rashida Miller, 17. I don't know. I okay, can't well, remember. we're going to put it in the episode notes for okay. people. If you've made it at this point in the episode, pause, go pay for that right now. Um, no, that was amazing. And I could like feel, first of all, I love that it's a fucking garden. Like, amazing. Really spoke to me. Um, and could picture all the flowers and like greenery on my body. And even before you went through the honey thing, I was like yes. picturing ways that like, if I was by myself, uh, that I would start like touching my body and moving yes. around. Um, goodness, that was fantastic. And, you know, we start, we start in stillness, mm-hmm. right? Like, because that is also movement. Yeah. We don't always have to be doing something big or something grand. Like there's still, I mean, you still exist even Mm -hmm. when you're still. And so there's still an energetic movement there. And so it's just about being able to tap into like, what's that? What's that right there? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, one setting an intention for what do you want your practice to do for you today? It's not just about, Oh, okay, like I'm exhausted. Let me go do some movements real quick. Yeah. It's like, no, like, where are you at on the spectrum? Like, mm-hmm. are you tired today? Are you grieving today? Are you frustrated, angry, depressed? Are you excited? Are you feeling blissful? Are you feeling mm-hmm. orgasmic? Like, where are you at? All right, now, how do you tailor your practice to fit your needs today? Like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you may start off really jacked up. You know what I mean? Like, you might, mm-hmm. there's days where, like, you turn on some disco music, you can't stop my feet, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm going. I, yes. You know, like, I, I remember when I first met my spouse, we went on a date and like we were, you know, just starting to get to know each other. And like the, the club, you know, they were playing like some deep house disco. <laughs> and like, I mean, I probably had danced in a couple of days and boy, I heard that music and that the rest yep. was history. Like they were looking <laughs> at me. I was still in the middle of the floor, like, ah, like one of those little spin tops. You know, like th- sometimes like my practice starts up there. And then other mm-hmm. days, like I did an interview with a teacher. Um, and you know, one of the songs that she chose for her interview was like speechless by Beyonce and we just dropped in and it was just like, mm, just like luscious and just like raw and gritty and just like mm. in the body and like, you know, a really tangible way. And it just felt, it felt good. And so like, I mean, and those are deep house disco and speechless are like on <laughs> two yeah. opposite ends of the spectrum, you know what I mean? But yeah. all of it. Like, I feel my sensual energy in all of that. Like, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you know, there's not one particular expression or one particular mm-hmm. performance that, you know, 
demonstrates like what it means to be sensual, you know? And yeah. I think that a lot of people, when they think about like sensual movement or pleasure centric movement or anything to do with pleasure, you know, their mind immediately goes to the very, um, like, you know, images that we see like in our media, you know, thinking of Beyonce, like sliding down the, yeah. the, the Chase Lounge at the Crazy Horse in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like that, I mean, that is sensual, right? Like mother yeah. gave us something very powerful. Like that yeah. image will stay with us forever. But what is also sensual is lemonade and mm-hmm. the entire spectrum of emotions around oh, yeah. grief, around betrayal, around, you know, res- reconciliation with her mm-hmm. father, around, you know, learning to forgive again. Like, you know, all of that is also a part of it because, you know, in, in, in thinking about the, the, our experience around the erotic, it, it's not just this, like, it's not, um, just like a, a, a sexual experience that we're sharing yeah. with other people, but it's also this experience of being able to feel. It's also the experience of being alive. It's also the experience of being able to be very honest about what our emotions are and not masking that in order to like make other people comfortable. I love that so much as like a way of thinking about sensuality. That's so spot on and like so, so, so important. Um, wow. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I think it is so important to be able to distinguish where sensuality does not equal sexuality, right? That you can still be sensual and not be having this focus on genitals, Right. Yes. Um, yes. Or around any form of actual sex. Um, yes. Expanding that definition of what sensuality is, I think, can really help us have a clearer image of what getting in touch with ourselves, our sensuality and spirituality can look like. Yes. Um, you talked a little bit about like church experiences and you did this film series, Sex is a God Thing. Um, can you share a little bit about what that was and the experience uh, around uh, sensuality, sexuality, and also religion. Yeah. Um, Oh, man. Sex is a God thing. Um, We produced that microfilm in 2014. And then it kind of took on a life of its own after that. Like, you know, what started out as being like, oh, I want to show people how they feel in their bodies once they're in that intimate space with their partners. And it's an invitation to express their sensuality and not this demand or not an expectation. But there's, there really is like a, there's a, a dance that's happening between the two of them. Um, and it's so that was really like the start of our of our quest, and it really took on a a, a bigger a bigger life of than we any of us could have imagined. And you know, just like as a um, originally, the film was going to be called Jaw Dropper, <laughs> and um, which yeah, I think would have been fine. But I had a moment where I was like, all right, why are you doing this? Like. For real, for real, why are you doing this? And um, I went to school for theater and, mm-hmm. you know, graduated. And at the end of <laughs> my 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 uh, college years, 
you know, we have all of these casting directors and, you know, big people coming in and talking to us and telling us like, you know, what the the vibe is in the industry. And, you know, one of the folks looked at me and was just like, yeah, you're very talented, but like, you're likely not going to get work because, you know, people that look like you aren't getting hired and, Mm -hmm. you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Stabbed to the heart. Um, Because, you know, I'm a a black woman who's dark skinned, who's of size. And there just weren't, you know, people just weren't looking for that visual. Yeah. And I was really devastated. And, and definitely, I think at that, you know, after spending four years preparing for a career to only be told, like, you're just, you're essentially not going to work. Yeah. And um, to be paying for it too. And to be paying right. Like, this, <laughs> listen, okay. <laughs> You know, it was, it was just, it was really devastating that I took a hit to my confidence. And, and I was also, you know, thinking back on it now and what I know about like, you know, people being accomplices in our fight for justice, right? Like Mm -hmm. the thing to do, this person having the level of power that they had in the city would have been y'all need to change the way you're casting these shows, period. You know what I mean? Like when people in the city are bowing down to you for roles, there's no reason why you don't have the power to make that change. There's no reason why you don't have the power to have that type of influence in the way shows are casted. And so, you know, quite honestly, I understand it now. It's just a cop out. It wasn't really, it wasn't the truth. And we see that now, like with, you know, like, um, with all the wonderful actors that are emerging and taking over, Viola Davis, oh, uh, yes. Danielle, um, Danielle, I'm forgetting her last name, but from Orange is the New Black and with yes. Lizzo, like mm-hmm. all of these Angela really, Bassett. and Angela Bassett, like Lupita. all of these really, yes, Lupita, you know what I mean? Like all these really powerful artists who are, mm-hmm. you know, changing the landscape of like, what is showing up in mass media? And so, you know, there was that aspect. And then here I am telling this story. And I was very adamant about the fact that it wasn't going to be um, a cis man sitting in that chair with me, you know, performing this it's this this piece for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be, a, you know, uh, someone who identified as part of the LGBTQ community because I'm also a queer Black yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we found someone that was like right for the role and we went with it. But, you know, now I'm like, all right, we're dealing with this visual of it's two women, you know, mm-hmm. in this space that's, you know, super intimate and super charged. And we're going to put this on the internet for everybody to see, like, <laughs> you know, we're, and then we're also going to name it. This is me coming to my team. All right, guys. Yeah. I've got a new name. We're not going to call it jaw dropper anymore. They're like, Oh, okay. Like, what do you want to name it? I'm like, sex is a God thing. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> okay, all right, you're ready to do work work. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm like, if we're going to do this, like, let's do this, right? Like, I'm, you know, so to see an image of a Black queer woman who's of size, who's Mm -hmm. dark skinned in a space where she's being desired, where she's loved, where there's not this absence of, 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 of romance or of desire for her as a a whole being, but also like sexually, Mm -hmm. she's not chasing after, it's not that storyline that we, you know, unfortunately keep having to witness story after story. Right. Um, 
you know, we, we've got to talk about that. And so we, you know, we started out on that journey and it was very, 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 very rough. <laughs> yes. You know, I like, as an artist, I definitely set myself up, like probably every project, like uh-huh. it's a setup, every project. And I love it. Cause I love like being able to tackle, tackle those challenges. Yeah. Then 2017, um, after the film had been out three years, I think our first piece of press that we got in 2014 was from For Harriet. And I like collapsed in the middle of the street because I was like, we had no marketing dollars. We didn't mm-hmm. have a, we, like, we were just like talking about it every day. Like I'd post my lunch and it was like, sex is a God thing. It was like, you know, <laughs> you remember when we used to do that? Like that was the way to market stuff. Like you'd yeah. like post something and you'd put mm-hmm. the hashtag after it had nothing to do with what was posted. Yeah. But it was like, oh, like a guerrilla marketing tactic to like mm-hmm. get people to like say like okay this she keeps mentioning this thing so there's obviously something coming mm-hmm. and so I remember um very quickly because I know I'm super long-winded so I apologize <laughs> no um, I love it <laughs> uh, I, our photographer our still image photographer for that for 2014 we were on a train one day we met this elder we didn't know them from anybody we were just like she just talked to us she was just like talking about life, talking about being queer, talking about politics, you know, talking about blackness. We were like eating it up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when elders start talking to you randomly, you just shut up and you listen. And so we were just like absorbing and just like sitting at the feet of this griot. And, you know, we got off the train. We didn't get our contact information or anything. And, you know, at the time, my family and I were still really going through this like big transition around like, being them embracing me as a queer black mm. woman and yeah. and what that meant and you know what those dynamics were and you know it was a really challenging time mm-hmm. I remember there was a point where um I was very I was starting we were getting closer to our launch date and I was afraid I was like oh well you know what are people gonna think or you know am I gonna is there gonna create more backlash like our mm-hmm. director had actually lost her job mm-hmm. um when we started to announce the film because you know she worked for a very conservative organization and you know they had Christian customers and you know it was just a whole thing yeah and so I'm like I get into a really big argument one day with my family and I'm like I got I leave the house you know because we're talking about the show like why why is it necessary for it to be this mm-hmm. And I'm like questioning all the things. I leave home, I get on the bus, I'm like listening to my disco probably (laughs) in my headphones. And I get downtown to the Panera. Um, And if you're from Chicago, you know the Panera that's on State Street um, right there at the highway, right when you get downtown. And I walk in and who's sitting there but that elder from the train. And I was like, oh my god (laughs) I looked real wild walking up to her and I don't even know she remembered me Mm. I was just like oh my god I can't believe it's you like you know wow like you're really here and I'm like man you'll never believe I just like I just start talking (laughs) you'll never believe what just happened and I'm like I'm afraid I'm like I I, you know I named the show you know sex is a god thing I'm afraid about what you know, how people are going to perceive it and, and, and maybe I should change it. Maybe it's too much. Maybe da, 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 da. And she looked at me and she said, when you look back on this five years from now, are you going to regret that you changed the name? And I was like, mm. mm-hmm. because if my art is always dictated by how other people are going to perceive it, like, yeah, you know, 
Um, and so a week later or so, we released it and we got our like little 25,000 views. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is amazing. You know, we were so excited. No press, no money, no nothing. We didn't have a plan for what we were going to do after that. We just knew we wanted to create this piece of content. Mm-hmm. And then three years later, randomly, Lesbian Films, which is a page on Instagram, you know, which, you know, really creates a beautiful space to demonstrate, like, um, uh, femme lesbian visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they reposted the video. And then it was just, it was a storm. And we hit, like, a million views in a month or something. And I remember looking mm-hmm. at my team and I was like, what if we tried to go for 10? i like how you think they're like what for what like why do we need 10 million views like why is that even necessary and i was just like i don't know like it just feels like you know it's something it's you know i I like this idea of like being able to repurpose the story Mm -hmm. and repurpose the content in a way that like is relevant for the day that we're in and like so many different communities have like attached themselves to it like queer communities, you know, uh, a body of size communities, um, you know, just women mm-hmm. in general, just like, yeah. yes, girl, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm here for this moment, you know, it was just so many different audiences had just like really tapped into it. And, and by the end of that year, I think we closed out the year at like 10 or 11 million or something like that. Like it was like right at the end mm-hmm. of the year, it was like, it was a really beautiful moment. And then, yeah. you know, now it's, has that clip from the film has been viewed over like 22 million times. And so just like, yes, as an artist, like being able to get your work in front of people is such a, is such a huge part of being an artist. Right. Yeah. And the, and having that and being able to create visibility for yourself because mm-hmm. it's not given, right. Mm-hmm. It's something that you literally have to, it's yeah. a structure, there's strategy to being able to create that. Mm-hmm. But as that girl that was sitting in that class in college, listening to this, you know, casting director essentially tell me that I was never, that, that this wasn't the visual that people were wanting or after. Yeah. Perhaps if I had been a little more ethnically ambiguous and a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. um, then I would have been more palatable. That girl needed that moment where it was like, no, you're just fine. Like this right here is what is needed. You know what I mean? And so from that 2017, you know, rise and visibility, like we were able to create a three-year tour Mm -hmm. Um, just on people seeing that one clip. They just wanted the experience of being in their bodies in that way. And it was such an honor over those three years to be able to travel across the country and one, to be live with people in person, to hear their stories, hear their reflections, hear how it touched them, just to see someone that looked like them be loved yeah. on. Like regardless mm-hmm. of the dance, regardless of the illusion of sex, regardless of that, like mm-hmm. just to see somebody that looked like them that, you know, to have this beautiful and sensual experience that wasn't um distorted for you know a capital gain yeah you're and so it's it's and so like we've as as you know as we've you know moved on like we've you know it's a full film so if you're Mm -hmm. on youtube you can 
you can go to the YouTube and <laughs> check it out and on look, the and, YouTube. And, and check it out on the YouTube. You know, I just actually understood that it's YouTube. That yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw it like written that way the other day. I was like, huh. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Um, so if you go to the YouTube, you can, you know, just Google uh, Sex is a God thing and it'll mm-hmm. come up and you can watch the whole film. And then in 2019, we had the blessed opportunity to present like the next piece of the collection mm. in that series, um, which, you know, totally different, totally different vibe, more cast. There's more conversation. There's no dialogue in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um and we got a grant from the Black Harvest Film Festival um, to finish out, you know, production on like essentially like cre- showing like a small piece of what we'd already started to create. Mm-hmm. And we released that last year. And so, you know, we've been able to bring that to a couple of different festivals um, and some some new ones that I, I can't talk about yet because they're like, don't talk about it until ah. this date. And I'm like, ah, OK. <laughs> um, but, you know. <laughs> You know, but we've been able to, like, work the festival circuit. But still, like, even in the process of trying to find funding, Mm -hmm. applying for grants, trying to talk about the need for representation of queer women, of Black women of size, of Mm -hmm. stories that center queer people. And it's not about our trauma. It's not about people, like, you know, bashing us over the head because they don't like us or anything like that. Like, just really about our life and our joy and the love and the the humanness that we experience, right? Um, and it was really hard to find, it was really hard to get people behind that. And the Gene Siskel Film Center, like, really, really gave us that, like, that next leg that we needed to be able to finish out the project and finish it out in a way that held us to our values as mm-hmm. a team. And, and didn't, we didn't have to, like, shapeshift the story or change it to make it palatable for a certain audience. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's something that you've talked about on your Instagram that I've noticed a bit of just like owning your fear and leaning into your fear. And I think especially as you've launched the Messy Healing Fund, um, that like doing these projects that kind of scare you, but like still doing it anyway. And like I hear that even in how you share, you know, your experience of doing sex as a God thing. And I think that's so incredibly powerful. And I think that's so... um, humanizing for people to see as well, like in people that they see as, as successful, right? That like, okay, yes, this is someone who's doing this and doing that and has this program and teaches this thing and has this yeah. podcast and um, yeah. all this stuff because you have a podcast as well. Um, yeah. But all this stuff and... <laughs> But to also know that, like, you still experience fear in doing these things and how you move through that still um, and still accomplish these things and still um, create these things, I think, is so important. Yeah, you know, and I I, like, you know, the (laughs) I think that. I like a, I like big challenges, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I think they give you something to grow into. It gives you an opportunity to fail really hard and like learn all the really gritty lessons that you need to, mm-hmm. you know, figure out. Like there's nothing that anyone can tell me about, you know, strategy or brand building. I'm not like, it's figure outable. Like we can, mm-hmm. we can find a way to like get this message out there. You just need to you know, but I didn't gain that until I had the experience of working with no budget, not having sponsors, not having investors, fighting for people to like, you know, understand what our cause was and all of that jazz. Like, 
you know, there's nothing that you can't, you, that those, those experiences you just can't take away from me, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, th- with the Messy Healing Fund, you know, one of the things that has always been really challenging for me as a business owner is I, I, you know, when I started this work, I was, you know, in a college space. And so I access to college resources. I could, mm-hmm. you know, book a space with the, with the campus. I could, you know, request or send a proposal to teach a class. And, you mm-hmm. know, so many of the, a lot of the resources were, you know, kind of built in around me. Um, I had a, a really great experience in, uh, with the urban public policy program at UIC and uh, creating essentially a messy movement course for a community in North London of women and children who were impacted by HIV and AIDS. And so being able to take the class into that space every week and provide a sense of respite and a a space Mm -hmm. of care for them in the midst of, you know, all of the other day-to-day things that they had going on in their life and seeing how having access to that type of practice, having access to those healing tools allowed for people to self-regenerate, you know what I mean? As opposed to, you know, depending on systems, you know, like we can't, you know, live without them to so in in to a degree um but how do we have the tools to be able to tap into that for ourselves and so mm-hmm. you know being able to provide that level of community um care and resource has been just such a huge part of my own work and development mm-hmm. and you know in business it can get really cut and dry like it's like either you got the money or you don't yeah and I totally understand you know when you're in that space like where there's really no space to be able to offer more and one of my things is like I think that as I as I transition out of being the full-time teacher and other teachers start to come into the space and I really get to focus more on the vision of the Messy Movement Lab being a global studio um, and not just like kind of trucking along in the like the day-to-day stuff um, I want more people to have access to it and I want people to have access to it. Not because, not just because they have the funds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know, you know, and, and one, again, being a black business owner without investors or sponsors or anything like that, I can't take on that weight and it not have an impact on me. So we have to do it strategically. And so what I'm asking for people to do is when they sign up, you also get a chance to not only gift something to our Messy Healing Fund, which is the scholarship, but you also get to take care of someone in your own life Hmm. um, to be able to send them like, hey, like I signed up for this class and so you're going to take it with me because I got you a ticket. Um, And so what we're doing, we have a a really audacious goal to meet by the uh, the 23rd Mm -hmm. um, is to be able to provide 222 scholarships to the lab um, and I, I, I feel in my body that I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to be saying, Hey, we, we made our goal mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and we, we exceeded our goal and, and we're going to be able to provide this level of support to people who are in need, especially right now. Like I, you know, with all of the things that were, you know, with the global unrest and the, mm-hmm. the pandemics and, you know, all the different things that yeah. we're navigating, like none of us should be without care because we don't have the funds. Yes. Yeah, a thousand percent. And even after you said this was on the 23rd, yes. even after that, you'll still be accepting yeah. everything. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. We're, we're, yeah, we're working out those little kinks, but, you know, our, our first goal is the 23rd. And then after that, there'll still be a way for people to donate. 
um, mm-hmm. and get folks signed up and, you know, okay. make their contributions. Perfect. Yeah. The link for that will also be in the episode notes. Um, and so people can kind of go to that and, and donate and contribute and sign up as well. Um, this will be out on the 24th. Um, but my goodness. I've, I'm like, I want to keep you longer. So I have so many more things I want to talk to you about because there's so many other things, but, um, (laughs) but we have to wrap up. Uh, the one thing, one thing that we didn't really get to talk about is your podcast, queer and married. Um, do you want to just touch on a little bit about what that's about and kind of how people can find it? Yeah, you can find us at queer and married on Instagram and it's queerandmarried.com for the website. We're on all the the Mm -hmm. platforms where you can listen to music and stuff, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that. Um, But it's a podcast that my spouse and I started um, in the midst of like navigating all the things in life and being a Black newlywed uh, Mm -hmm. queer couple. We're like, how the hell do you do marriage? (laughs) What is is this? What is this thing that we've done in our lives? And, And realizing that we didn't really have a lot of um, examples of like what it looked like to have a thriving partnership that mm-hmm. was long-term, yeah. especially within the, the structure of a marriage. And, you know, both of us, like our, neither of our parents were married in, during the time of our like development. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like, we didn't really get a chance to see that type of relationship, yeah. you know, that long-term partnership. And, yeah. And so we really wanted to start asking, you know, the questions and, and start telling our story and also start asking the questions around like, what are the challenges specifically that we're navigating mm-hmm. that queer couples are navigating um, in terms of like building family, in terms of having having long-term partnership, navigating conflict. And, yeah. you know, so we use that space to be able to gather community and, you know, provide resources when we can and, and also to share those stories. That's so amazing. Well, I'm Thank like, I you. wish we could chat a little bit more about that part too, but um, oh maybe, maybe one of these days we'll have a part two. Um, yeah, but... have, Miller, and have Miller come back. <laughs> yes, yes, that would be amazing to have both yes. of you on. Um, we've talked a lot. I've mentioned your Instagram a few times, um, but could you share where people can find you, whether it's Instagram, your yeah. website, all the things, and all this will also be included in our episode notes. But Absolutely. Yeah, no, you can find find me at Rashida Convey Miller um, on Instagram. That's also my personal website. The website for the Messy Movement Lab is themessymovementlab.com. Um, and that's also the name of the Instagram and Facebook page as well. Awesome. Well, I'm thank- so, I thank you so much. I just have to say that. And I have to have you come join us for class. Like, yeah, you have to come take a full class so that you can get that experience and like have that vibe. I would love to have you join us. That would be amazing. Yes. No, yeah. that would be absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, that would be amazing. No, I've super loved, like, I mean, I followed you for a while and um, definitely wanted to get to know you a little bit deeper and also just like, I selfishly use this podcast. <laughs> so I'm just like, these are people I want to get to know better Some and who seem like are folks doing. Have come through here. Yeah, Yo. yeah. Just of like, I love what you're doing with the Messy Movement Lab. And just, I think it's so, like, unfortunately, isn't very mainstream to do healing of, of trauma or even just healing in general through that type of body movement and through that type of body work. And I think especially for the Black community that is experiencing 
all kinds of layers of trauma mm. um, that I'm like, yeah, I want to get like my sister and be like, yeah, like we should do this class. Um, yes. We should, oh, we should yes. sign up for this. Like this yeah, type of movement it. I think is just so, mm. so valuable and something like I'm interested personally. Um, yes. But yeah, but thank you so much thank for everything. You. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you today. I know this won't be the last. It won't be the last. Yes, absolutely. Will not be. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 